The Los Angeles Chargers have officially been eliminated from the playoffs, so we're going to examine how we got here, what big decisions are coming, and why Chargers fans should have some hope for the future today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are locked on NFL scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Joe. Uh, probably going to be an unpleasant conversation for the early part of it. Because uh, we have to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. And what went wrong as we debrief this? Can, can you call it a failed season? I think with expectations for the Chargers, it should be called a failed season. And there have been teams that we've done this exercise for that I don't think would qualify as that. And we alluded to the Giants be the first team that we did this with, this exercise with, that made the playoffs last year. So you could argue it was a surprise that they were here. It is a surprise we were doing this about the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be this way, right? But yeah. we knew it was an important year. Brandon Staley, you know, kind of some questionable tactics over his first couple of seasons. They get to the playoffs. They they blow the the game right to to the uh, Jaguars, right? The big comeback for for Jacksonville in the playoffs. You, you kind of felt like you can maybe get healthy in some spots, replace your offensive coordinator with Kellen Moore, and that be enough. Um, but as we as we get into this conversation and ask ourselves the question of how we got here and what went wrong. I think it starts with the off season. This was a team that was in the playoffs that has a star quarterback. And what did they do in the off season? Their most significant addition was Eric Kendricks, a linebacker. They drafted Quinton Johnson in the first round, which is a player I did not grade in the first round that I thought was not the, the type of receiver that they needed to add to the mix. What do they have to show from this draft class? I know Tuli Tui Pelotu looks like a nice player on the second round, but there's not a lot of production from the draft class. There's not a lot that you were able to add. And I don't know that uh, getting Kellen Moore and counting on getting healthy in some spots was going to be your ticket to improving. So you mentioned Tuli Tui Pelotu. I think that's the the silver lining of the offseason. But think about how much of this group was brought back, right? And be it the uh, secondary with Derwin James. Uh, J.C. Jackson coming into year two. Uh, you had Michael Davis, who they they brought back on a, a new contract. Uh, Sante Samuel, Aloe Gilman. What, their, their one departure, uh, Nasir Adderley, retired, yeah. right? That well, was Drew one. Tranquil, right? Drew Tranquil right? was Well, a- I mean, just in the secondary. Yeah. And then you had yeah. Drew Tranquil who left. Uh, but you had players, be it, you know, Kenneth Murray. You bring in Eric Hendricks, who I, th- I think is an upgrade over and he played in a similar system with Ed Donatel in, in Minnesota the year prior. So the point that I want to make, you had a defensive-minded coach, 
and your first three games of the season, you gave up more than 475 yards offense twice. You have 36, 27, and 24 points. The identity of your team with your head coach was supposed to be defensive background. And yet the metrics across his three years or two years and change are 29th, 20th, and 23rd in yards, 29th, 21st, and 26th in scoring defense. That's not good. So you take all that, and then you take the game theory application, and I say this with all due respect, like objectively what went wrong with the Chargers is Brandon Staley objectively is a bad NFL head coach right now. He's young, and maybe he'll go be an assistant somewhere else, and he got that job way early Mm -hmm. and gain more experience, and maybe he'll get another opportunity. But if he does, he's going to have to do things a lot differently, and he's going to have to actually tangibly back up but you brought all those guys back on the defensive side of the ball. You're three of the system. You get 36 points dropped on your head and 500 yards the first game you play. And it was like that all year. Detroit ran through them like nobody's business. 41 points and 500-something yards offense. More than two games with a defensive-minded head coach with the entire unit back. And as you said, we'll get healthy. They didn't stay healthy, but they got healthy at the beginning of the year. Yeah, defense stinks, right? That's uh, not great for a defensive-minded head coach year three with the investments that they made and really building it in the way that he wanted it to be built. Um, Another reason is the offensive line regression. I think it didn't meet the standard they were hoping for. I think you saw Trey Pipkins get paid and Trey Trey Pipkins turn it. I think Jamari Salyer at right guard didn't take the step a lot of people were hoping in year two. I don't think Zion Johnson at left guard took the step a lot of people were, were hoping for in year two. I think Rashawn Slater came back and was a Pro Bowl tackle. But then Corey Lindsley missed a bunch of time. Uh, your you know veteran center there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that offensive line was quite what they were expecting it to be, um, and that obviously hurts. And of course your your injuries are, are bad as well. Mike Williams, what do you play in three games? That's a twenty million dollar a year receiver. Corey Lindsley at center, big-time injury. Joey Bosa battled injuries all season. Of course, Justin Herbert missing the final stretch of games. Keenan Allen, of course, late in the season. So your defense was bad. Your offensive line regressed, and you had significant injuries to your impact players. Um, and, I don't again, I don't think you positioned yourself that well to take a step with what you did in the offseason. So a lot of bad decisions along the way. Um, and that's how you get a fired coach in week 16. Um, and you're resetting uh, in some ways after a playoff year and having a star quarterback. So uh, I know one of our favorite pastimes on this show uh, is really uh, railing against a former GM in the AFC South, whose name we will not mention on this show. You know exactly who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it fair to look at the assembly of this group for the Chargers and start to hold some similar disdain for what this group, what the strengths and weaknesses of this group was, how some of them were never addressed, and then some of the contracts that had been given out in the process. No question about it, and I think it stems further than right now. One of my big critiques for Tom Telesco was not getting it right in the twilight of Philip Rivers' run as the as as the mm-hmm. quarterback, just like how often were we going to talk about the offensive line and let's not get better there, right? And so I think that's huge, and I think you can get extend the same thing with the Chargers. How how often were we going to talk about interior defensive line? How often were we going to talk about 
weapons in the passing game, right? It, it never, it never got there. Um, so yeah, I think Tom Tess, Telesco deserves a lot of blame for uh, this team, both with what he had with Justin Herbert and, and of course with Philip Rivers and not being, being able to get over the hump. And it's because he didn't pull the right strings. So yeah, I think that's a great call out. Uh, the other, this, the last thing that I would talk about as far as things that went wrong in this season was prior to this year, uh, there had not been a better touchdown machine in football than Austin Eckler. Man, yeah, he, he, he was rough this year. The worst thing that could have possibly happened to Austin Eckler was tweaking his ankle in week one because it held him out for a time. And then beyond that, um, you know, he, he played against the Dolphins in week one, and then he didn't play again until October 16th. So you miss a bunch of time. And then when he came back, he had, he, he looked like he ran a four, eight, like he just was not himself. Yeah. The explosiveness really fell off. And he had, he had 20 touches for 164 yards and a touchdown against the Dolphins in week one. So like, it's, it's hard to say, but like whether it was the ankle or whether it's, I'm an aging running back. Uh, who's going to be 29 years old and has gotten a lot of run the last couple of years, 311 touches last season. Um, I, I guess that's one thing that the Chargers did right was not acquiescing the, yeah. the contract request of Austin Eckler. Yeah. Maybe you could have traded, traded him and sold high, but you were expecting to compete this year. I, I never in a million years yeah. would have advocated for you to do that. Right. But Eckler becoming a player that, is averaging 3.7 yards per carry and has his touchdowns are cut in one third and he missed a month and a half to start the season after week one uh, really. And, and then being back and being a shell of himself is another contributing factor because you always at least had that to fall back on offensively mm-hmm. when the, the passing got, when Mike Williams got hurt and Keenan mm-hmm. Allen had a soft tissue issue. Um, you didn't have that this year. And it, I think it shows big time. And now we're down the stretch and we're getting Isaiah Spiller run and mm-hmm. we're getting Josh Kelly run. And it's just, it, it, this just looks like a very unceremonious end to the Austin Eckler run in, in LA with the Chargers. Yeah. The Austin Eckler and the Tony Pollard role in the yeah. uh, Kellen Moore offense was supposed to be different, uh, but it, it wasn't, unfortunately. All right. The Chargers have some big, big, big decisions big, to make. Big. Big, big decisions. We're going to break them all down here in just a moment, so stick with us. But when you're hiring for your small business, you want to be certain that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats right now and might not have the time or resources to hire. Well, thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy, and they also just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. First thing we got to do is hire a coach and a and GM. A, yeah, yeah, we got to do that. Um, certainly leaning into an offensive-minded coach, right? Yeah, I think you want to find that guy that you can marry to Justin Herbert and enjoy the next decade of dominant football together with. That's That's got to be the thought process. So I think you, you need to do that. 
and candidates will be interesting. You know, the Harbaugh's the uh, hot name there. Right. Ben Johnson feels like the dream, right, with kind of what he has unlocked with Jared Goff in the vertical passing game, and you feel like there's even more with Justin Herbert. So, like, something like that's probably what you need to do here. I wouldn't be talking about the, you know, the the Mike McDaniels or Mike, Mike, Mike McDonald's, excuse me, or the uh, Lou Anarumos or the Brian Floreses. I'd want, I'd want one of these bright young offensive minds to link with Justin Herbert. So, with that in mind, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, there is not a team that has bigger non-expiring contract decisions to make <laughs> this offseason than the LA Chargers. It's overwhelming. I mean, it's from a salary cap figure, Bosa, Mac, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. These are all like $30 million plus a year salary cap figures. And there's some work that you can do. Derwin James, almost 20. Corey Lindsley, 14. Justin Herbert, I mean, that that's an easy one. You, you max restructure that, right? You can save yourself the $4 million or whatever it is. But what are we doing with these aging, expiring? Who are you keeping? Who can you trade? I think that's where it starts, right? Is it's like, who's tradable with, with their current contract situation? Never mind the expiring contract list, which we can get into after that. So let's acknowledge that they're $35 million in the hole to start the offseason, right? So they've they've got to create cap space to be able to operate. But I'm with you, dude. Like I have in my notes, something has to happen with Khalil Mack. Something has to happen with Keenan Allen. Something has to happen with Mike Williams. These are cap hits, Kyle, that are north of $32 million each. $38.5 million with Mack, 34.7 from Keenan Allen, 32.46 from Mike Williams. We can't roll with that. And they can cut and save, like, if you cut those 38.5 million, or excuse me, 23 million out of Mac, you save, you save 23 million out of Keenan Allen, you save 20 million out of Mike Williams. There's dead cap, of course, but like, you got to do something here. So, whether that's probably do all of that, or you probably move on from all of those players. Sure. But do you ask yourself some questions with maybe, I mean, here's the heart, what makes it hard. Khalil Mack and Keenan Allen are coming off, I don't know, crazy good seasons. Right. So, can, can you trade either one is the question. Can you extend them? Is that a conversation? Can you add a year to their deal and spread Why? out some of that money? To Dude, spread out the money. How old are these? Khalil Mack's going to be 34 in 2020. Yeah, I get it. I get it, dude. I get it. But I'm saying, like, you, these are the – we're talking about the options are on the table, and that's got to be part of their thought process. Like, one of the one of the levers they can pull is they can extend them, keep them, spread out the cap hits. They could trade them. They could cut these players. But the, they have to do something. So Keenan Allen is due $18.1 million in 2024. On a one, so it'd be one year, eighteen million dollars. Well, and he's got a five million dollar roster bonus due on the fifth day of the league year, so somebody would be bringing that on too. So never mind, it's twenty three point one. Is somebody going to trade for Keenan Allen, thirty two year old Keenan Allen, on a one year deal? Are you going to keep him for a thirty five million dollar cap hit? You can't do that, right? So you cut him. I'm saying you 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 can't you can't trade. I don't think anybody's going to trade for that contract, right? No, no chance. And you can't justify keeping Keenan. Maybe you extend. Yeah, I think. All right, here we go. (laughs) You've talked me into extending Keenan Allen, and then you put some void years on the back end of it, and then that way you don't have to go all the way back to square one because I'm cutting Mike Williams. Period. Oh yeah, that's you save the twenty million dollars. He's thirty million. He's hurt all the time. Yeah, like goodbye. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna move on from 
Mike Williams, we'll keep Keenan Allen, extend it, kick that money out, right? I think we'll so. Just, we'll buy ourselves a runway. Khalil Mack, the financials, 2024, $17.5 million in um, base salary, and then a $5.5 million roster bonus that is due the third day of the league calendar year in 2024. So he's due to over $23 million in cash on a one-year deal. Would somebody trade for that? Would somebody trade for that and extend, put another year on the back end of it and convert it all to signing bonus? And I think you could probably, I think you could trade Khalil. I think there's enough there that you could, could justify trading Khalil Mack. And, and what you'd have to do is it's, this isn't the other Khalil Mack trades that have happened. Right. You're asking recalibrate, a lot. recalibrate your expectations yes. on what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not you're talking about maybe a late day two, early day three pick. Right. And I know that's who okay, has like what 17 sacks or whatever this year, the crazy amount of pressure. He's having a great season. But the contract in the age here doesn't speak to a lot of value by putting him on the uh on the trade block. What about Bosa? Something has to happen there as well. You can restructure and free up $9 million. Same thing with Derwin. You can restructure there and get 8.7. Same thing with Corey Lindsley. You can restructure there and get 6.8. I, I guess the, the hard thing with that, dude, is like they restructured Bosa's contract this year. They've restructured Allen. Like, I don't think Keenan, I don't think Mac has had more than a, a minimum value restructured contract since he's been in LA. So it's like they, they've been doing this. And that's how they're in this spot. At some point, you have to transition, right? Well, but they also need to get cap space. They're 35 in the hole. And so, like, a combination of everything we've talked about has to happen here. You have to have – you can't be – you can't have – you got to be in, in, in the good when it comes to cap space. And they're in so trouble. Are we, are we selling high on Mac and moving on from Mike Williams, and those are, like, the two departures? Like, if, if you had to pick. Oh, yeah, I'm also going to cut Morgan Fox. I'm going to cut Eric Kendricks. That's going to free up another eleven right, million with those two you're moves. Kind of middle class players on your yeah on your roster. I mean, Kendricks is six and a half million that you can open up. What about Corey Lindsley? You can That's restructure a, and save seven. What's is what's the cut implications? If you cut him, you'd save nine. So yeah, he's thirty three year old center dude. Like and got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> got to. And didn't he, get, he got hurt in twenty twenty two as well? Right. He's had some stuff. He's a good player, but he's an outstanding center. So that is part of the deal here. We got expiring. <laughs> Big con- We didn't even get into expiring right. contracts. Expiring contracts. Shall we? Okay. So expiring contracts for 2024. I think there's one big passing. one. One big one. Uh, Michael Davis, corner. Austin Johnson, defensive tackle. Austin Eckler, running back. Gerald Everett, tight end. Kenneth Murray, linebacker, first round pick. Easton Stick, backup quarterback, Jalen Guyton, Nick Williams, Will Clapp, Joshua Kelly, Tanner Muse, Isang Bassey, Jalen Hawkins, uh, Alohi Gilman. That's the big one. And that's the big one. And yeah. I'd probably bring him back. He's been good. And yeah. that makes me very happy because I was devastated when he ran a 4 6 at the combine. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's a baller. He's a baller. He can, um, his tackling downhill ability is really good, split zones. Um, he's had some ball production this. I know he picked off Josh Allen last week. Um, I think he's a quality starting center or starting safety. That's probably, I don't know if he's like a 14, 15 million, but like I, I offer him a seven, $8 million a year 
contract and I don't, I don't think twice about it. And you know what, what's weird is the safety market last year was aside of Jesse Bates kind of mild. Like if you proactively negotiate with him, he's in the fourth year of a deal. I mean, he's taken half of his snaps as a defensive player this year. Like you might even be able to get him for better than that. Three years, 15, something like that. Yeah. And five or six was the number that I had in my head that like, I'd be angling to try to get to. Yeah. I'd want him back. I don't want him back for sure. And that's a very easily digestible contract to add to the mix when we're talking about the players that you can move on from. And are you shed. sweating about any of these other guys? Uh, Davis, Johnson, Eckler, Everett would be a nice piece to have back. He's an effective, like complimentary piece of your offense. Jalen Guyton's got a little something to him. I'd want him back, but, but that's not a big contract. Like that should right. be super easy to get done. Um, no, I mean, they, they've got some restricted free agents that they, they could exercise. And I would probably do that with all of them just because they're going to need the, the low financial guys on the roster. Kenneth Murray, I'm let walk at this point. I'm probably letting Mike Davis walk Austin Johnson. I'm going to let walk go right down the list, right? It's not yeah. a whole lot. I'm stressed about. So my, uh, they, priori- my priorities would be getting a Lobie Gilman under contract, exercise all your restricted free agents, and then if you can get a reasonable price for Gerald Everett, that'd bring him back as well. See it the same way. Their fifth-year option is an easy one. Rashawn Slater, you're picking that up, right? Yep. $19.7 million. And yep, you'll pick that one up easy. All right, we're going to get optimistic here uh, the rest of the way, so stick with us. The Levy Grail component of our show is coming up next, but as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel right now. New customers. You get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, I am obsessed with DoorDash. The convenience is unmatched. We're all busy people. We're all looking for a little extra time. Well, DoorDash gives that to you because they'll bring you groceries right to your front door. They'll bring you food from your favorite local restaurants right to your front door. If you need to go to the pharmacy, they'll do that for you. So check it out. I, I love this, man. Like you, you, Another thing that I love about DoorDash is in my house, me and my wife, we don't always agree on what we want for dinner. And so with DoorDash, she can get food from the Mexican restaurant. I can get food if I want Chinese or what. You know what I mean? It's nice to be able to have those options while not having to cook for yourself so check it out get 50 percent off up to a ten dollar value when you spend 15 dollars or more in your first order when you download the doordash app and enter code lock two three subject to change terms apply again that's 50 percent off up to a ten dollar value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you download the doordash app and enter code lock two three subject to change terms apply can i before we do the levy grill there was something i meant to do on takes on takes and it didn't do it and like i'd like to do it right now all right. How much did you see of the Pop Tart Bowl? And I don't mean the game. I mean the Pop Tart mascot. Zero. I saw the logo and I saw a tweet saying that you wanted to have this mascot or something from you. So they have a a mascot that was an edible Pop Tart. And then after the game, they had a big supersized Pop Tart that the mascot stood up on top of. And they pulled him down into the toaster and then out of the bottom, it spit out a toasted version of the toaster and the winning team got to eat the mascot. 
Really? And it's the highlight of bowl season because I have not watched an ounce of the bowl games otherwise. But I saw this courtesy of social media happening, and like I am all about the Pop Tart mascot. Yo, so this is huge because we have the Cheese It Bowl and we have other yeah. ones, right? Like step up your game. Correct. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like incredible. That seems like an amazing moment that I'm going to, as soon as we're done here, go back and research. I mean, you think about you know the the Idaho Potato Bowl throwing around the potatoes like no, that's the, yeah, a whole that's the stuff. Here. That's the stuff though. You know what I mean? I like it. I'm not. I don't need to watch mayonnaise being dropped on top of people though. Like that's that's Dude's like bowl you're not about. Bro, that's straight up repulsive, and that happens here in Charlotte. So that's tough for me to take. <laughs> it's tough, man. Tough. Uh, shall we, Levy Grail? Fight, Fight on, on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while. And I'll rise and fight again. The poem recited by Bills head coach Marv Levy to the Buffalo Bills after they continue to lose Super Bowls. A rallying cry to galvanize the troops to get back up and compete. That's what we're going to do here as it relates to the Los Angeles Chargers. And Kyle, I think the opening talking point is the most easy opening talking point we are ever going to have at a Levy Grail. Your quarterback is Justin Herbert. You got Seems one good. of the special ones, right? One of the one of the one of the unicorns out there. You have him, and he's young. And so, for all the resets that are happening, you can be nervous about who's going to be starting that middle linebacker, or who the slot receiver is going to be, or if you're going to get a new tight end. Justin Herbert's your quarterback, folks, and that's a quarterback that a high percentage of the NFL would love to have. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to make the sales pitch for the job pretty straightforward, right? It's the hardest part about having a successful team is having that position mm-hmm. settled and concrete and the chargers have that. So I think that gives them a leg up in all of the coaching hirings versus you know, guys that, that have young quarterbacks that were invested in, but there's still an unknown element of those quarterbacks. I think that's a little bit or a lot more tame with the chargers. I would also say there is some, nucleus of players in general on both sides of the ball that I think mm-hmm. are really likable talent with Rayshon Slater, who you just mentioned having a fifth year option that's eligible to be exercised for. That's a cornerstone of an offensive line. And Justin Herbert, as you said, and then uh, Asante Samuel Jr. I, I think is a very viable cornerstone, whether he's going to play in the slot or he's going to play outside uh, that you have to work with as well. So uh, I think those young players give a really nice starting point for both sides of the ball when you ultimately make whatever decision you're going to make on Aloe Gilman. And if you decide to keep Khalil Mack because you want to ride the hot hand, like there, there's pieces to work with. Now, I think maybe the expectation or the the assessment of the roster this year versus last year or at the beginning of the year, if we had to go back and reclassify a lot of players on the Chargers, I think it becomes a lot more cut and dry that it's not a complete roster, but that makes the cornerstone players that are on the roster that much more attractive because you know you can work with them and they're all young players that are either on rookie contracts or on long-term deals that you can kind of serve as your foundation. You mentioned the uh, the dynamics of how attractive the opportunity is going to be really for any GM and head coach because of the Justin Herbert factor. But, I mean, how about also – LA SoFi stadium, the new facility looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to go and and be part of that? Um, So I think that matters, but also the other side of this, if I'm going to find optimism for chargers fans, Brandon Staley's gone. 
Like that was right. that had to be tough to to, to kind of go through that and just listen to the way he talks and like even towards the end there it was like very defensive and you know why should you continue to be the coach he's like because i know what i put into it well do results not matter buddy like i mean congratulations on working hard but let's not let's not confuse effort with results and i think that you should be excited to have a new head coach that's not gonna not gonna have those back-breaking decisions all the time that you know can't get out of his own way and i think that's that's reason to be optimistic as well. I think it was an obvious decision that they had to make to move on. And I think getting a new head coach would make me happy if I were a Chargers fan. Yeah, for sure. And a fresh start, right? I mean, Telesco had been there for a decade. Yeah. So from, from top down, you get a, a new crack at football operations in its totality. And, and as it became more apparent this year, as you look at this roster and say, we kind of played this thing out a little bit it's time for something new. The fact that they had the the vindication to embrace something new and, and wipe both of those positions so that they can get fresh minds in there to work with their foundation, I think is, is cause for excitement for chargers fans too. And the chargers are not brimming with draft capital, but they have higher picks than maybe we anticipated them having right, right now. They're scheduled to pick six 37, 71 and one Oh six with their first four selections. And so, you're in that, you know, we the, the famous uh, Brandon Bean quote, I don't want to suck bad enough to get Jamar Chase. Well, well, folks, you have the number six pick to go with Justin Herbert, and you take care of some business here, lose a couple games to close out the year, you know, you're going to be in that top five range, and, you know, maybe there's a special talent uh, that you can get that is unexpected when you have a quarterback like a Justin Herbert. Imagine if they got Harrison. Brother? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And you're like, we like, there's so much conversation about like the Chiefs. The Chiefs have to give everything they have to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, what if you only had to go from like six to three? What did that right. cost the Colts for a quarterback for the for the Jets and the Colts? That cost three second round picks. Yep. You can have three second round picks right now. <laughs> I can get Marvin Harrison Jr. So uh, they're going to have a nice and opportunity and, with some of their young players that are going to add. And the Chargers finish with uh, the. Broncos and the Chiefs is their last two games, right? Yeah. So uh, we do live in a world where they can get to five and twelve. New England plays the Jets. Does New England beat the Jets? Yes. With everything, I was talking to Mike debate about this. Mike said Bill might call Tom Brady out of retirement to beat the Jets in what potentially is his last game as the head coach of the New England Patriots. That's going to happen. So okay, now now you're five. You're tied with the Giants. The Giants have the Rams and the Eagles. Maybe not feeling good about stealing either one of those. Washington has San Francisco and Dallas. Yikes. Uh, the strength of schedule of the Chargers and the Giants is interesting. And the Giants play two teams that are Rams and Philadelphia playoff teams. So maybe tiebreakers can break your way there. I think maybe your ceiling is five. But uh, they, they got to be hoping that Arizona stays at two. If they wanted to go get Marvin Harrison, you go from five to two and get that yeah. done. If if you wanted to, now I think they have plenty of needs, but at least it's it's a storyline in the conversation yeah. and an option to weigh out for them. Malik Neighbors at six don't sound too bad to me. Yeah, no, it's not, like bad it. <laughs> so not bad either. Not bad either. Get something there for sure. That is gonna do it for us. Locked on NFL Scotty. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Make it a great weekend enjoy week 17 of the nfl season and we will be back again monday to break down all of the action